What's up, y'all? Today we have co-founder, founder, and CEO of TIPA, uh, which is a company that specializes in creating uh, environmentally friendly, biodegradable packaging for uh, companies that are producing everything that we consume in the world. Uh, Daphna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> okay, so where are you guys based? Um, I think this is exciting that, that we're speaking to somebody from across the world. Yes, so actually uh, the headquarter and their uh, company's original place is Israel. Uh, we started here, but today we have presence uh, in three continents, in, uh, in Europe, in North America, and in Australia. Is travel a big part of your routine as CEO? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, really? my routine for sure, but not only mine, also other people here. Your team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, it is, of course. How, how often do you find yourself in Israel versus in um, other other countries day to day? So I would say if I, if I look at it monthly, so I would say two weeks I'm here, two weeks I'm overseas. Out of a month, yeah. Yeah, is that is that hard, like with a family and everything, or are you <laughs> able to manage it? Um, I've been able to manage it, but but it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, yeah, but that's part of my job, and I like it. That's true. What are so now that you've been running the business for like over ten years, and you've raised like you know one hundred and twenty three million? Which, by the way, was it intentional that the dollar amount was one two three? Or did that just come as a result oh, no, of it? Just, uh, no, nothing was planned there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. If you, um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying if we were trying to do that, we, we wouldn't be able to achieve that. But those type of things achieved, uh, you know, without atten- uh, intention. <laughs> is, that, is that your philosophy broadly? Like, do you... Or are you sort of more goal oriented? Like you set a goal, you achieve it. Is that how you operate the business? Yes, that, that's how I operate the business. Of course, there are opportunities and, and challenges and risks on the way, but we have a goal and we're totally focused on the goal. But we also, as a startup, uh, we tend to, to stay flexible and understand what are the needs, what are the trends, do we need to do any changes uh, or uh, recalculating our roots, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we definitely uh, keep our eyes open there as well. What? So after 10 years of operating, what made you decide to take outside capital? Oh, the, no, we raised capital from day one. I um, see. Okay. This was just company. public. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you know, your background is is in um, sort of sustainable packaging and, you know, yeah. materials engineering, or it seems to be in something different, right? Yeah, totally different, actually. Yeah, yeah. my background uh, my background is software. Um, okay. I, I grew up uh, in the software industry. Um, my um, uh, experience in education was uh, in the first years of my career in software engineering. I also served in the Israeli Navy, you know, in cool. Israel, uh, women and men serve in the yeah. Israeli Army. Uh, so I was in one of the elite units in the, the Israeli um, in the Israeli Army, uh, wow. dealing with software. So, uh, so I have first experience in the software industry, uh, both uh, in in 
in the in the navy and then in the um, um, professional market and outside market as well. Um, but then um, uh, after a few years, I decided to do something else, and that's where the story starts. Yeah. What do you think you sort of gained in terms of extensible skills from your time in service, from your time? previously in software, like any lessons that you brought from your software background to your current business? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I, and I think also this experience um, is, uh, is part of the success uh, mm. of TIPA. I, I, I was educated and it's part of being in this market to always think what is the right solution. Sometimes it needs to be out of the box. Don't think mm. as, you know, as the conventional market thinks or everyone thinks or this is what is acceptable and not, this is what acceptable in the market. Let's do the same. So uh, I, part of, part of um, developing solutions, and that's what software engineers do, is think differently and, and, and think, think out of the box. Try to bring a new solution. And, mm. uh, and it's, it's the same approach that I had when, First, I started to think about the plastic problem. So uh, it's not a matter of doing the same, but in a better way. It's a matter of doing something else, thinking differently. Um, and if the market, if we talk, for example, on packaging, so if the market goes always and think, thinks always and, and kind of directs uh, the solutions over to conventional plastic and recycling, I said to myself, well, this doesn't work, obviously. Uh, we all see that. It doesn't work. So, and I believe that in a few years' time, we'll need a solution that is different than what the industry was doing back then and still does today. Um, and, and that's where the thinking out of the box came. So I said to myself, let's look. What, what, what is the most intuitive way we use? We, we discard waste. And the first thing that came to my mind was an apple, because when I ate an apple and I throw the residuals to the waste bin, it just kind of disintegrates and biodegrades by, by itself, right? Mm. And uh, I also looked kind of at nature. So what did nature do? Nature packed with, with compostable materials, materials that kind of disappear, decompose and turn to a new resource post-consumption after we use it. For example, if we eat an orange, and the, and the peel is, is the package, and then post-consumption, it turns into compost, a new important resource. And that was, that was the, the idea. And it, so, so again, if I go back to my background, I said to myself, okay, we need to think differently. Another way that we've been going in, in, the, last, in the last 50, 70 years with the, in using plastic packaging. Um, so that's one thing. And, and I can say that the other thing that uh, I was kind of uh, brought up on, it's uh, never take no as an answer. Mm. There are challenges. There are going to be challenges. Just find a way how to deal with those challenges and solve it. And this is part of the culture of uh, what I brought to the company. That's awesome. How did So I'm sure when you guys started the company, there was probably a significant amount of market resistance to the idea, not in concept, but maybe in execution, because it's never been done before. How did you kind of overcome some of those objections? First of all, packaging, it's uh, flexible packaging. It's 
quite a complex technology. Yeah. It's not it's not straightforward and not an easy one. Definitely when you want to provide a solution, a perfect solution that emulates conventional plastic, so with the same properties, same good part of, of plastic package, but at the same time based on new materials. Now, the role of the package is to pack the goods, and we had to do it in the best way, right? To make sure that we provide the same quality as, as current packaging. In order to do that, um, and, and plus we had to manufacture it. So we had to manufacture it, sell it, make sure that the end consumers are satisfied, uh, understand which which segments we're targeting within a huge market, etc., etc. So um, there were all those fronts were open. Uh, we had to be creative on all those fronts: manufacturing front, and consumer front, um, shelf life. Um, um, the visibility and printing on packages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what we did is we focused on territories, focused on specific products, and uh, and and start to grow from there. And went step by step. At the beginning, we had kind of to find the the um, manufacturers or producers that are willing to try new materials on their machines, which was mm. a, which was a challenge as well. Uh, but we allocated those partners. Uh, we had. Um, I can to promise both sides we yeah. had to go to market together. We had to make a few changes in this. Well, it wasn't easy, as I was saying, but there were a few transactions and changes there. But eventually today, I can gladly say that we manufacture our films. I mean, the raw materials, the films, reels of films uh, in, three, in three continents. Um, we convert the films to packaging in three continents. So we managed to to overcome the operational challenges and the go-to-market uh, part of the challenges, it's not it's not easy today as well. Uh, but uh, of course, we're in a different place. That's really inspiring. And I mean, you guys have a fairly like pretty complex business. You know, I think software is pretty easy. You put some yeah. people in a room, then the thing comes out on the web, and the distribution is pretty straightforward. So. You know, Israel is known for having a lot of sophistication around science and technology, particularly in, let's say, like Internet companies. I know Fiverr is based there that, and they're great guys. But do, does Israel have um, a lot of sophistication? I, I mean, I, I guess it now does around material science and manufacturing. Or did you have to go out of the country to start, you know, building prototypes? Look. I'm sure that uh, we can find talents other other places as well, but there are great talents in Israel in cool. terms of uh, material science. Uh, the industry, the general industry of material science and uh, and food uh, um, and food products has been growing extensively in the last few years, which is mm. which is great. So uh, it's more. More than just uh, you know software, different kinds of software and uh, cyber, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it, it's it's newer, but there are also great minds here. Uh, same as software. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure like a lot of the R and D around material science probably has initially a defense application and then gets commercialized. And right. so there's probably a lot of different talent there that's actually been developing 
for probably you know last 50 years or something like that so yes yes that's cool exactly. very yeah. very cool um okay so so talk to me about like day one of starting your company um <laughs> you know was it just you did you have like friends that you kind of persuaded to come join you on this mission how did you like start the business um and such yeah. a complex business i kind of had this idea uh, and, and the first steps are to investigate what's out there in the market and just didn't know you know i'm not coming from this industry sure and uh yeah i met my uh, um a co-founder um uh, back then actually we met at the kindergarten and uh <laughs> and, <laughs> wow, and, okay <laughs> yeah and uh, and we and we we started investigating and going in this direction of developing the solution and there were assumptions that were out there in the beginning and then we understood that um, it's not exactly what we thought so we had to change etc cetera, etc cetera. we made sure from uh, from day one to work with people that are experts in the industry although those 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 kind of let's say consultants are pretty um, expensive but uh, we worked only with top people from the industry to kind of expedite um, the understanding of what's in the market, what the market needs, uh, how to work in this market, etc., etc. And during this journey, when you know I grew the company, um, made sure to work with people who really believe in the solution. This is kind of um, kind of almost uh, the first parameter uh, because it's. It's, it's not an easy journey, but we have to make sure that we work as a group because it creates a huge uh, effective synergy. Um, and plus the people will, you know, go as a troop force to the market with us need to believe in the solution. So I'm glad to say that, you know, I've been working with the same people for many years now. Uh, we build here a, uh, we've built here a beautiful group of people uh, that believe in the solution, that will do everything to succeed. It hasn't been easy and it's not going to be easy. Uh, I hope one day it will be easy, which we mean the market is definitely going in that direction, but we're still in the, you know, in early stage. Uh, but it, it's very, it's, it, it's crucial to have good people, you know, who understand the market, but mainly support one and one, the, one and the other. And I can say that in many junctions when I had to make decisions, that was one of the most powerful things I had uh, to support me, the, mm. the, the, the people that work here. That's awesome. That's really cool. So what are, what are some of like your company values? Do you, do you believe in like being values driven, um, that sort of thing? You know, in San Francisco, do you have a wall with like company values? It's very common in tech startups. So I'm wondering huh. if. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have such a thing, but definitely we have values. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first value is is people, because people, um, people are um, need to be heard, and listened, but they're also the keys to success. So um, every person is an important person. And every person can talk, contribute in his or her field of expertise. And it doesn't matter if it's the CEO or it's the uh, engineer. It doesn't matter. Mm. That's one thing. The second value is the value, of course, of keeping this beautiful 
gift that we got, uh, our, our nature, our um, um, earth, etc., etc. So um, we believe that the solution of the compostable solution is the right one for the flexible packaging market. And we don't do other things. Although, you know, in the journey, um, there were people who said, okay, just do this or do that or do something a bit different. And you gain huge, huge part of the market. And so I said, no, the mind that we got is to do the right thing for the world, is to bring the best solution uh, and compostable solution to the, to, to the packaging industry and to make sure that we grow. And so those principle kind of um, that principle and principle of uh, being um, a company with values, that's that's what has been driving us forward. How do you think that you gained like such a laser focus on um, taking care of like the environment? It seems bizarre that only such a small subset of our population actually cares about that, you know? Um, is there something that you grew up with or you just, I don't know, found it to be a good opportunity? You know, you know um, I haven't grow, brought up, uh, grew with this environment and it, it definitely not in, uh, in Israel, but, um, um, or I would say it, it wasn't the focus when I was a child. Mm. It's kind of been in the um, kind of a subject that is dealt here, uh, I would say in the last 10 years or so, maybe 15 years. Mm. But I can definitely show, first of all, you know, it, it all started with, um, um, I understood that it's kind of complex to take care of packages post-consumption. Post Where do I put it? Do I recycle it? Etc. Etc. And then it all started from a discussion I had with uh, one of my children around, uh, around the plastic bottles they used to take to school back then. Yeah. And, uh, and I said to myself that it doesn't make sense because I know that it, each piece of plastic is actually not going anywhere. It's going to stay here for hundreds of years. Mm. So that's, it. that's how it all started. But once I started to go in, in, you know, in this direction or journey or path of understanding what is the main problem just understood the numbers <laughs> and and suddenly like you know like i put glasses on my eyes I said, okay what are we doing what, what are we doing is yeah. humanity humanity what are we doing it's we're kind of littering and leaving the litter to someone else to take care of and as as much as we i continue to drill down into the understood the the size of the problem and 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 the lack of solutions and the fact that we keep being told that, that recycling is going to solve it all and oh my god we've been trying to recycle for twenty years and nothing happens so w what are we thinking to ourselves yeah. and and all that you know brought me to the to the stage that uh, to, to the level of um, enthusiasm on on bringing a different solution to the world. I think it was much easier for us to go with recycling if we decided to. Uh, maybe the company was in a different place. It was much easier for me to go and uh, to do other things in my career. Uh, but I decided to do that because I think that's the right thing. That's, that's, that's it. Now, as, as an individual, 
I need to I need to consume plastic today. There's there's no alternative. I mean for yeah. for everyone. And and it's gonna be it's a revolution that's gonna happen and it's not gonna happen in one day. It's gonna be hard for everyone. But if you keep doing the right thing, eventually eventually it will happen. Now you you we prepare this discussion, you ask me what is what is the meaning of tipa? And I said a droplet. Now and I'm talking about persistency right now. So I can say that part of the meaning of uh, tipa is that one drop cannot change a rock, mm. but a drop and another drop and another drop and another eventually will change the, the shape of even a rock. Mm. So persistency and, and keep doing the right thing, that's for me a key, a key value. That's awesome. Okay, so how did you guys come up with the name? The, the first discussion with the, my, my children was about the, the bottle. Let's replace the bottle. Yeah. Uh, with the, and, and I was pretty innocent back then. I thought <laughs> to myself, uh, you know, what's the problem? Let's take compostable materials. Let's invent kind of a cool package to replace totally. bottles. Totally. Throw it away and it will disappear. And, uh, and, and the idea was to create, um, to invent kind of a pouch in the shape of a, of a droplet uh, to replace the plastic bottles. I would say six months after, I understood that the main problem are not the bottles because bottles probably can be recycled, but it's more flexible packaging and so on and so forth. But we decided to stick with the name Tipa to, until today even because, uh, first of all, it's very easy to pronounce. Uh, there are few meanings, which, you know, I just talked about two, but there are more meanings to the word uh, Tipa, but... And, and it's kind of, uh, this is our, uh, this is who we are. So you guys are headquartered in Israel, but right. are based in uh, North America, in Europe, you said, and then a third. Um, Australia. Australia. Okay. That's awesome. And so, you know, when you think about distribution and you think about new markets, um, or are these places more so manufacturing spots where you guys build products? It, it actually connects me to one of the questions you just asked me about. Uh, what do I bring as a, coming from the software industry to, to this business? So um, we kind of a, an operational business model that is not common in the packaging industry. And I actually kind of borrowed it from, <laughs> from the software industry or semiconductors industry. So I wanted to be able to see our solution spread around in a viral way. Like software. Right. Right. Software is easy. You just send right. it, email it, and you copy, you copy, you copy, you copy, you copy. That's duplicate. Right. Uh, but this, we're talking here about a tangible product, I mean, a product that needs to be manufactured. Um, therefore, from day one, I made sure that we can manufacture all our products on conventional plastic machinery. And we do... We are fabulous. So we have the technology. We find the right partners in each in each territory. We manufacture our films and the packages in each territory. So we started in Europe. We've been manufacturing. Uh, we do toll manufacturing. That, that's taken from, from other industries. Uh, we don't have our machines. We don't have our factories. We don't have our... Uh, but we do manufacture the films which are the basis for, for packaging. In Now in Germany, in the last five or six years, last year started, this year started in, in North America and in Australia. 
So they we manufacture locally our, our films and then convert it into packaging, again, with partners on on the ground in each territory. So that's that's the fabulous model. It has its benefits and uh, and challenges. Uh, but overall, we want to make sure the, the, the benefits of this model is, first of all, we, as, as you've been asking me, we can manufacture wherever we, we want. We have to allocate the right partner. We have to run trials. We have to kind of certify the partner. But it's much faster and doable than buying facilities, et cetera, et cetera, or installing machines. So that's one thing. Right. The second thing is we collaborate with the market. We don't go against the market. We collaborate with the market. We, with companies who manufacture today conventional plastic and also manufacture mm. compostable packaging. So that's the second stage of open doors for us, opening doors for us. And also very important, we manufacture locally. So uh, we reduce carbon footprint. Um, and, you know, I can continue uh, um, um, explaining the benefit of this model, but that's how we operate and that's how we've been managed to grow. Keep going. What are some of the benefits of, of that approach? I mean, there's less transaction costs. It's probably more capital efficient. You get people to yes, understand the markets. It's more yeah. capital efficient. It's a... It opens opportunities for us as well with the with the manufacturers because they have their own customer base, um, and, and so so we can sell and where we manufacture, they can sell as well. I mean, our partners Salesforce, um, it would it it also you know there's also a challenge of uh, getting priority on other mm-hmm. people's lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we saw that we, we solved that with our partners, and it gives us the opportunity to grow and not be tightened to to a specific machine. And uh, more te- more more technologies are open for us. We can manufacture, for example, I say three layers, five layers, and and other films, blown film, cast films. I, I know it doesn't necessarily say something to your the audience, but this, those are what I mean. We can use wider technologies. Mm. Uh, to manufacture our products, which cool. brings different properties. So um, it, it's 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 a model that works uh, works for us. Not everybody understands this one, <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing that we gained from it is that we manufacture them today in three territories, in three continents, um, close to our clients, um, with a huge potential. And also, you know, I'm, I'm very much satisfied to see that companies who manufacture conventional plastic want to manufacture our products. And the fact that we open doors for everyone enables us to do this. So that's kind of the viral growth I was dreaming about. Mm. We still have to grow. We still have to grow. Another day. But <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's but less friction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. So, you know, like I, I tend to think that the software like ecosystem is maybe people will disagree with me, but fairly meritocratic. Like it's a new industry. Mostly people want to do business with companies that are growing fast and relationships don't matter. Like they're not entrenched yet in the software industry in manufacturing, particularly with plastics and plastic alternatives. Um, do you feel like this industry is more relationship driven? 
Are there very long partnership cycles where people work with each other for a very long time or are relationships more transactional? Like, how do you navigate the complex web there? It's definitely a different industry uh, yeah. than software. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is different. Yes, it's based on relationship. Look, this in it's first of all just to understand, it's an industry of over one billion dollars annually, globally. Mm. A very diverse industry. So there are small manufacturers, mid-sized manufacturers, big manufacturers, giant manufacturers. There are companies. From $10 million to $15 billion, okay? The, the packaging manufacturers. So it, so it's it's a huge industry with uh, different types of, of companies and different types of clients, of brands. So it's a bit different. I mean, the, the relationships are a bit different with small companies and bigger companies, but definitely um, the bigger ones are very much and relationship-based. So a long time ago, I think I'm actually under NDA, but I don't think they'd mind if I say okay. this. A, a, a long time ago, maybe 2019, 2020, like pre-pandemic, um, we were talking to Fiverr, which yeah, I think is what, 20, 30 minutes down the street. And they, they reached out to us and they wanted us to fly to Tel Aviv. And just, you know, with basically the world shutting down, we didn't end up working together. Uh, but... I really like those guys, have a lot of respect for those guys. They've built a tremendous business. Um, and it seemed, you know, one thing that I took away from them is that in Israel, it seems like there's a lot of knowledge transfer and a lot of companies want other companies there to succeed. And a lot of the founders connect um, and there's a really uh, well-developed ecosystem. Um, do, you, do you feel that? in your business and, and where you're working, like you have a lot of other founders to connect with and a lot of other folks to, to talk shop with? Yes. First of, I mean, this industry is quite a wide industry. I mean, the start, yeah. let's call it the early stage companies in Israel, the startups yeah. company, innovation is very... In, in, in our field, in, in packaging and sustainability, um, the market is pretty new. I mean, we were kind of... A, um, pioneers uh, in, in, in this field. Today, there's more. Um, the packaging alternatives, it's not a huge industry, not in Israel, but uh, there's more. Uh, we support each other, um, and the, the founders or entrepreneurs. Um, you know, it's not on a daily basis, but uh, there are forums, there are a kind of a, a meetings that take place to support one another. Um, yes, it's a, it's kind of, the, the, the whole environment is an environment that understands what is an entrepreneur, what are the challenges, uh, what do we need, um, does the government support, um, and the beginning of the way, et cetera, et cetera. So since this industry is kind of wide in Israel, uh, there is a, there is a support still, <laughs> Being a leader and a CEO, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, you're the tip of the spear, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. So, how did you like learn everything that you know about about the market? Just given your background, did you have advisors? Did you just learn as you go? 
Um, as I said in the beginning, I made sure we kind of uh, recruit the best people in the market, so to bring uh, knowledge knowledge into the company, and there was a kind of a fast track to learn uh, what we what we do, what we need to do, how the market behaves, what we want to do the same, what we want to do what we want to do different, um, differently, and so, so that's. Now, as the company continues to grow and things change, you, we, we had to kind of sometimes bring more, more knowledge, different knowledge to the company. And, 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 and you know, there are kind of two, two fields of expertise that are needed here. One of them is in the packaging industry. Uh, the second one is the materials. And, and the third one is um, how to build a... Um, 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 interact, interactive company or a different company mm. that can really make a change. Mm. Uh, disruptive, disruptive. Yep. That's the word right. I was looking for. Disruptive company that uh, that can really make a change. Uh, as I said, um, the people from in the company and the board members and the, and the advisors that we had kind of uh, contributed uh, a lot to the company's growth. Um, if we could do things differently, of course we could. <laughs> uh, you know, there's always what if. Of uh, course. Yep. yep. Totally. I, I, every day in the morning. Yes. I'm like, ah, I yes. wonder if we had done that differently. What yes, would it yes. be like? Yeah. <laughs> Sliding doors. Do we want to go this yeah. or that? Yeah. It, it seems like building your team uh, and getting these different um types of expertise was really important to the company's success and future success as well. What are, you know, as you do recruiting, maybe you're not involved so much in the day-to-day recruiting of the, of the line engineers and such, but what are some heuristics that you use to make a good hire across your business? So of course, knowledge is important. Yeah. Uh, we make sure that uh, the person is the right I mean, the, the, ex, the experience or, uh, or knowledge that is needed. The first parameter is personality. Yeah. First of all, if the person is in the company's DNA, and then if he or she has uh, the, the desired uh, know-how, knowledge, etc. And uh, and then uh, we kind of, you know, we try for both sides to set up meetings as much as we as many as we can. Before before recruiting, to understand, to put everything open on the table and say this is the company. Those are the benefits. Those are the upsides and those are the downsides. Mm. Uh, those are the challenges. This is what we don't have here. More what mm. we don't have rather than what we have. Uh, challenge, uh, challenge the desire to join us. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but uh, sometimes it just you know does the, the opposite. People really want yes. to join us after they understand all the challenges. Yes. But uh, yes, uh, and and we made mistakes, and we also made very good recruitments. So um, it's uh, there are some successes, some failures. Um, I think there's not there's no one formula, but for me, it's really important to, to meet a person in person, not over Zoom. Meet a person in person, um, sit in the same room. Have even one hour discussion, but one hour discussion, and that's a lot. What do you th- What do you think the difference is 
in terms of meeting in person versus in Zoom? I have some ideas, but I'm curious about your take on it. It's um, it's it's the body it's body language, mm. which is kind of a, um, that's the main thing for me, body language, mm. and uh, and you know, behavior of a Zoom is different than behavior of being in the same room. Hmm. So, what do the person say? How they are they enter the room? What is a, what is the interaction between? Um, oh, in beginning at the end, at the end of the, at the meeting, asking hard questions. It's easier to answer over Zoom. That's what I hmm. think. Um, hmm. So it's really about the language, I would say. Have you ever? I mean, I don't know how much you can disclose about this, but have you ever hired somebody? over Zoom, and then you met them in person, and you were just like, I think we made a mistake. Or let's not even say at work in any context. You've met somebody over Zoom, they seemed great, and then you meet them in person, and they're not so great. And No, because I don't think I hired over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made sure I meet the people. Report to me. I mean, we did yeah. hire over Zoom. One observation that I've made is, you know, we've we've hired over Zoom a bunch, especially in the pandemic, and it's kind of our business, you know, but I have met people in real life. And the one thing that I notice is it's very hard to tell height over I, Zoom. Yes. yes. Right. And, and, th and then you meet somebody and you're like, dude, this yes. guy's huge. Right. Yes. Or you meet somebody and you're like this person is six inches smaller than I expected. Yes. You know, yes. and it shifts the energy perception almost of kind of how they interact with people, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's been a very interesting dynamic. Yes. Uh, yes. In the, in the Zoom I, world. I, yes, but height is not a parameter for me. For <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, but there is a thing where, I mean, I don't fully understand this, but I think people's social confidence, this is not a question, this is an observation, so pardon me for indulging myself, but I think somebody's social confidence can affect, in a group setting, their ability to arrive at a solution. For you know, sure. that, that you know... Um, Self-confidence, um, it's, it's a huge power in the personality. Yeah, totally. I, I, to your point, I do think it's easier to be more confident over Zoom, yes. right? In, in a way, yes. easier yeah, to be right. more rude too, you know? Um, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it seems so interesting because you guys have to have recruiting capability across the three, I mean, how to build tight operations, how to engineer new materials, um, how to do packaging. And yeah. so it's like three distinct functions. Um, yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Hmm. What, what's been the biggest challenge in scaling? Is it, is it the R&D part or is it just getting all the operations tight so you can operate across the different territories effectively? Yeah, it's, uh, it's all fronts. It's a, yeah. you know, it's mainly operations and sales. So to get the right clients, to sell the right product and, and to manufacture. Um, um, so th those are the main uh, kind of creating a system that works integrally, you know, with, with all different parts of it. Uh, 
to be integrated rightly and uh, and and to be able to generate the the, the demand and, and to fulfill the demand. Yeah, it is a challenge. It's a doable one, but it is a challenge, and part of it we learn on the way. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting. That's also like probably at least what our board cares the most about discussing. You know, it's like I want to bring up all these R and D questions that we're trying to answer. They're like, okay, well, how's the operations and how's the sales doing? And it's like, okay, yes. yeah, we yeah. can talk more. About it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what's next for your company? Mm-hmm. Um, where are you guys going? Where are you guys headed? You guys gonna raise one billion, one hundred million, twenty three next? Um, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, our target, our target is to grow and to yeah. make sure that the viral growth actually happens. And and once the usage of our materials will grow, everything else will come. So uh, hmm. you know, I always look on what is. What is the right the right thing the right uh, the right thing that we need to look for? And now we need to look for expanding the usage of our technology mm. as much as we can in the right way, of course. And then the rest will come. Mm. You know, the money, the the, the, the size, uh, all that. Yeah, but, that's uh, all an outcome. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys sell into? I guess you guys sell into companies that are creating packaging for their products. That's the main consumer mm-hmm. yes. have you guys ran like uh public awareness campaigns for the problem or do you guys feel like the problem is understood well enough no, no cool. it's not understood <laughs> and, and we, it's not understood no not at all and yeah. uh, and we've been doing it yeah since i don't know the last i would say few years six years five years we've been we've been doing that kind of uh, spreading the problem Look, we're not a huge company, so we cannot educate the market. Right. But we can definitely uh, increase the awareness. Uh, the, so, this is yeah. a, this is a more selfish question. How how do you guys, as an operator, how do you measure the efficacy of campaigns like that versus just things that are very attributable to growth? Do you ever think about that or do you just allocate a budget and you're like, go figure it out? We allocate a budget and no, we measure, we measure, we measure it. We measure uh, online. It's easier to measure yes. uh, yeah, because yeah. then we can, and we do almost everything online. If not, if not 100% online. So we measure, you know, the, uh, all the measure, all, all the indexes that uh, are measurable. Uh, with with campaigns, with ads, with articles, with uh, opinion articles, with hmm. a, any activity that we do, we measure the the interest and uh, and, and what uh, turns out uh, of each such activity. Yeah, that's what the marketing team does. Yeah, <laughs> I so I find it hard. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around like awareness campaigns for for us in particular because you can directly attribute ad spend to more like inbound leads you know it's very easy whereas with a with a banner or a sponsorship of a conference you're kind of like oh we don't do that no we don't do sponsorship of conferences yeah no we don't as i said we do we do online we do uh we do public relations i mean so we 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 publish uh, articles, uh, etc., uh, and and we do social media. 
in general. We, we participate in the exhibitions, etc., but that's all measurable because uh, we, we measure the leads that come in and yeah. eventually the POs. Totally. From, yeah. Totally. It's all about POs. That's, it's all about that's, POs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what, what's some of your advice to other founders that are working in the sustainability sort of industry that probably have complex businesses? It's not a lot of, I think, I mean, it seems like tech people are more vocal, but folks that are working outside of the direct software industry are not yet. So I'm curious what your advice is. First of all, stick to your to your goal. I mean, to the core, to the core mission of the company. Um, of course, understand and sense the market and, and if things change, but keep doing what you believe needs to be done, uh, or what is what you believe is the mission, and uh, be patient because it takes time. Um, it doesn't pay back as, as software, and uh, it, not, not it's. Not in the pace, not in the timeline, not, but uh, but it it is a it is a mission, which is important, of course, for every company. It depends on the company. Believe in what you do, because if only if, if you and your team believe on in what you do, then then you do it rightly, and and, and you really and you can grow the business. That, that's that's my observation. You know, maybe there are other people who have different observations but you have to be you, you have to know what your target is and you know go directly to and, and keep focusing on what to do at the same time keep your keep options open and be flexible because you're like a speedboat if you need to right. change if you need to change the direction the course just do it but still go to the to the same direction but you know the same the same mission the same goal so it's being it's being focused and flexible uh, it's being a uh, um, um, sensitive to what happens in the markets, but at the same time keep pushing your solution. Insert changes if they are needed, and build your team. Team, the team is eventually the success factor. Mm. Well, where, where can people find you? Find Tipa on the interwebs. Our website is uh, uh, www tipa-corp tipa-corp.com Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daphna. Really appreciate your thank time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.